street thought there was a gas raid. People were calling radio stations, police stations. All of this stuff was going on. It was mass chaos. I mean, it, it was just incredible what was going on and how it affected people. Perhaps the most greatest place that was affected was in Concrete, Washington, state of Washington, a town of 1,000 people. They're hearing the radio broadcast, and at the same time, a thunderstorm was going on. And as they said, the Martians have landed in New Jersey, lightning struck, transformer blew, and the whole place was dead quiet. Can you imagine 1938,000 people, and the Martians have landed, and then everything just goes out like that. <laughs> I mean, people are running in the streets screaming. It's unbelievable. Matter of fact, there was about, I think, 10,000 or 12,000 articles that were done about it in the next two years. Just the, the effect that it had on people, and, and it really cemented Orson Welles. I mean, he was only 21 years old as one of the most you know, famous men in just the radio business at the time. And it caused some great sensation and also some uh, censure after that. Then you had rules. You couldn't do, we interrupt this radio broadcast in any way, shape, or form. Now, why was it so effective? Well, it was because what they did is, is they integrated like this fictional thing with something that is normal, like sounds true. And it's interesting, it's, it's really a lie. The whole thing was a big lie. It was pretend. But yet people were affected by it. Now, why? Because when you take something that's true and when you inject it with a lie, what do you get? A bigger lie. Huge lie. I mean, it's, it's interesting how that works. But God speaks to us about lying, does he not? And we know if we're honest with ourselves, we have all lied at one period of time in our lives. But the Bible speaks to that, and I want us to look at that today, and, and we're going to look and see what it's saying to us. We're in Exodus chapter 20. I'll be reading in verse 16. I'll be reading from the English Standard, Standard Version. It's our tradition here at Village Bible Church Grace Campus to stand for the reading of God's Word. We have a very short v- verse. The Holy Spirit is speaking uh, through Moses and says, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Let's pray. Father, we come into your presence asking you to speak to us today, to tell us how to tell the truth, how not to bear false witness, but truly be servants of the living God, not listening to lies, not seeing the the lies in our life uh, at work. Lord, help us to be sanctified by your word, which is truth. So Lord, please glorify yourself in us today. Speak to our hearts and convict us of our sin, that we might speak the truth in love and not live by lies. We ask your blessing on this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Now, what this verse is talking about is bearing false witness. What I want us to understand, first of all, is before we even get into our points, is let's get the background for this, because obviously it doesn't say, thou shalt not lie, right? It says, thou shalt not bear false witness. If we just read that at first glance, we're like, well, where do you get lying from in that? Well, what was going on is the nation of Israel, remember, had just come out of Egypt. They're now uh, in the wilderness, and Moses is coming down from Sinai, and he gives these Ten Commandments that God had given. Now, in such a world such as this, uh, there were certain cases of capital punishment. Something would happen, and someone would get ready to be put to death. But a person could not be put to death, according to the Old Testament, unless there were two or three witnesses. It was a serious thing. You didn't have mugshots. You didn't have fingerprints. It was all about seeing your neighbor, loving your neighbor. But just like today, people can make accusations. Make accusations, say this, ha- so-and-so happened, and they're saying, no, it has to be made legitimate 
by two or three witnesses. And God's saying there, love your neighbor enough to tell the truth. Don't bear false witness to get what you want. In other words, don't lie, tell the truth. That's what's going on there. So we see it's about truly loving our neighbor. Remember, we've talked about this before. The first five or first four of the Ten Commandments talk about loving who? God. And then six through ten talk about loving our neighbor. The two most difficult things to do, right? Loving God and loving our neighbor. Loving God's easy for a lot of times because God doesn't necessarily talk back audibly. But our neighbor talks back, and our neighbor drives us crazy. Does your neighbor drive you crazy? Think about it. I'm not, just ta- I mean, I'm not just talking about the people that we know that are our greater neighbors, but even your next-door neighbor. Do you like your neighbors? <laughs> so I'm like, yes, because they're sitting right here. I have to say that now. <laughs> Do not lie! Okay? We're to truly love our neighbor as ourselves. That's what's going on within this commandment. But we have to say, why does God care about this? Why does truth matter so much? So let's, let's stop for a moment, and let's investigate God's prohibition against lying. That's the first point that I want you to write down. Let's look at this. Why did God prohibit lying? Is it that bad? I mean, sometimes we think lies aren't that bad. It's no big deal. It's not affecting anybody. We rationalize it, correct? But God has prohibited lying for a reason. Now, let me, let me ask you another question. Where does lying come from? You ever asked that? Where? Satan. You're right. It's, it's true. And I want to show, show us this because we see that lying has a diabolical origin. A diabolical origin. At the root of diabolical is the word diablos, which is the word, the Greek word for devil. That's what it is, talking about the devil. And Jesus tells us a great deal about this. John chapter 8, verse 44. Read this right up here. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar. In the father of lies. The father, the God father of lies. It all originates back to him. It has a completely diabolical origin. We know that God didn't, God doesn't want who, who created lying. I mean, matter of fact, Numbers chapter 23, which isn't in your on the board today, but it's the scripture tells us about who God is, that God himself is truth. God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and not fulfill it? So God himself, in his nature, is truth. And then he's also given us the word incarnate, who is truth, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And he's given us the word written. That's why John chapter 17 says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we see that this is true, and we see that Satan is a liar. In every which way, he is the greatest liar that has ever been. Now there's some good liars out there, are there not? You ever played poker? I was talking about this the other day. I've never played poker in my life. I don't play cards. Um, I just don't like cards. And it's all about, in some ways, who's the greatest bluffer? Who's the greatest liar? And even certain TV shows, we've codified it. Survivor, it's all about who can lie. Is it not? I mean, it's a show, it's like, it's the game. It's a game about lying. I mean, we've even had TV shows. There was a TV show out a while back called Lie to Me about a guy who could read how someone lies. And lying is everywhere today, is it not? We have what's, what's happening this November? An election. <laughs> I don't even need to tell you. Because all of these politicians are going back and forth on who can spin the other person's record. And it's all about who controls the image. It's not about the issues or what's true. It's who can direct you to get you to vote for them. 
I mean, they'll play whatever card you want them to play. They'll play a religious card. They will play, they will play any, any issue that you want them, that you care about, they will try to direct it to you. Politicians, not all, not all. There's some good politicians out there, okay? There's some good politicians. But there are a lot, most, are liars. And we see it not just with our, our, our politicians. I mean, we've even seen it with our presidents, have we not? And if the president's lying, what does that tell about the people? I mean, we see people lying about products. We see lying in commercials. We see them manipulating your perspective. We've talked about this before. I mean, it's all designed to get you to do what they want you to do. Think about a grocery store for a moment. We've talked about this before. I was trying to walk with my daughter through this the other day. What is some of the things that you need every week? Name one. Milk. Milk. Soap. Well, soap. Wow. What do you do for a living? Okay. Uh, bread. Milk, bread. What is at the back of a grocery store? Milk. Right? If it's what you need every week, why is it in the front? Why? Because they want you to walk to the back. Why? Because then they want you to walk and see all the products. They're trying to get you to buy more. Right? Where do they, what do kids want more than anything else at the grocery store? Where do they put it? They're evil. <laughs> they should put fruit there. That's <laughs> what so they should do. But they're trying to manipulate us. And we see, we see that we not only uh, is, is, is have a diabolical origin, but lies have so much more. See, they have a deceptive intention. A deceptive intention. That's what we do when we lie. We want to deceive people. It's not necessarily the words you say. It's how you can say it. You can do things in such a way where you tell the truth, but you're doing it to deceive them. Right? You can do that. So don't think it's just the literal words. It's the intent of the heart. That's what it always comes back to is the intent of the heart, to deceive. So there is this deceptive intention that is going on. Now, what does the lie intend to do? Well, it, 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 it intends to create a different world. See, a lie can't survive against truth. So it has to create an imaginary place and where you are to go and where it's, it's a different reality, in essence, a false reality, which that's an oxymoron, I know. But it's a false reality where they're creating a reality where it looks like you lived. As a matter of fact, we see this with the Internet today. As a matter of fact, uh, a few years ago, there was a, a big uh, thing called Second Life where you could construct a different life online and live in this. And people are spending money to live in a virtual world. Blows my mind. I mean, there are dress designers and businesses and people with currency in an imaginary world. People are trying to create this. Because they can't handle the reality of the situation. They have to create a separate reality where they can be someone different than who they are. See, that's what a lie does, is it creates a different world. And, and the problem is, is that lie is always going to be exposed to truth. So let's look at something here. Let's look at the next point, or throw that up there for me, Carl. It also counters the divine word. How does it counter the divine word? Because God is truth. When we participate in lies, we participate in Satan's kingdom. All right? I don't know if you've ever seen the movie The Lord of the Rings. In the movie The Lord of the Rings, the character puts on the ring, right? And when he puts on the ring, what happens? A lot of the dark beings can see him then. They're awoken to it. When you lie, you're entering into the devil's kingdom. See, that's what you're doing. You think that you're not hurting anybody, but you are entering Satan's domain as an agent of Satan, you have not realized that's what you've done, but that is what you have done by lying. 
Lying is serious business. You are participating with Satan by lying. I mean, that's a serious, serious thing. Whether it's lying to our boss, our classmates, our parents, our kids, we're li- lying is participation in the enemy's kingdom. And we're not to do that. We're not to create a different world. We're to live in this world. And we're not to counter the divine word. We can't do that. Satan wants to manipulate and he will do anything to deceive, tear down, or destroy God's kingdom. That's what lies do. They destroy, or they try to. They possess by nature a destructive disposition. A destructive disposition. They destroy because they try to counter truth. They destroy. Have you ever had someone lie to you about something? You ever had someone lie? I mean, does it destroy your idea of who they are? Right now, we have Lance Armstrong in the news. I don't know if you saw this this past week. He keeps being brought up for uh, doping, and finally he decided, I'm not going to fight it anymore. And he's forfeiting all of his seven uh, Tour de France titles in doing so. Basically, he's saying, I mean, either he's going to be a martyr, or he's been, or he's been lying. And it's hard to tell any longer. We don't know. I mean, you have athletes all the time. I didn't use performance-enhancing drugs. And then it's clear that they did. And then our opinion of them changed. They get an asterisk. Think of Barry Bonds. He's this guy that has the, all these great home runs, but now they put an asterisk beside him. He's, you know, it's, it's this, our, our vision changes when we find out that someone's been lying. They're cast down in our eyes. We have to think and see what lies do. People don't ever intend for lies to do that, but that's exactly what they do. Lies destroy. As Jesus said in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy, and he uses lies to do it. That is his M.O. Think about it. Why else don't people come to Jesus? Because Satan's lied to them. That's one of the biggest reasons. 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, and no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Can we call that up there? Let's see that out there. Oh, first of all, we see that he's the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Satan keeps everybody blind. That's what he does. I'm going to reference another popular uh, movie from years ago. And I'm not telling you to go out and see it, but it's the, the movie The Matrix. And it's this imaginary world in which he lives. And he finally gets woken up to this reality that it's, I mean, that this is real. That's not. That was generated. It's a, that's the lie. This is the truth. And he says, why do my eyes hurt? And they say, it's the first time you've ever used them. See, that's what our job is, is evangelists are to do, to tell people the glory, uh, tell people who Jesus Christ is and what they've done to, in the hope that God, by his Holy Spirit, will awaken them from their slumber. So they will see the glory of the Lord and what God has done. So they will no longer be blinded because we can't remove the blinders from people. Only God can, but he does that by his spirit working through us as we tell other people who Jesus is. I mean, we can't put the fish in the nets. We just throw the nets over. That's what we're to do. That's our responsibility. See, Satan masquerades or disguises himself as an angel of light. Right now, one of the the candidates for president is Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney is a Mormon, all right? Mormonism is a perversion of Christianity. There's a lot of talk going on about it. If you ever study it, you find out how perverted it really is, okay? It it just is. Started in the 1800s by Joseph Smith in New York as the angel Moroni. There's reason, notice, at the heart of that is moron, okay? Moroni appeared to him 
and had these golden plates that he had to look and see in a hat. Is anybody weirded out by this? Okay, in a hat, and that no one else could look at or ever see, only allowed, he was allowed to interpret it. And he had this revelation of who Jesus is. And he finds out that, there's the, that the ten lost tribes of Israel apparently migrated across the Bering Strait and came to live in America. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he not only appeared to the disciples, but he showed up in the good old U.S. of A. Appearing to them. Yeah, woohoo! <laughs> okay, and there's, and matter of fact, it's interesting that even the American Historical Society says there's no evidence of any people like this, what you're talking about. It's a complete joke. It's a fabrication. And he had this angel that appear to him. Do you think that was a real angel? It's interesting. Do you know what else has the same root as that? Islam. Islam. The prophet Muhammad had an angel appear to him over a 22-year period of time to dictate the Quran, and no one was allowed to question him and what he received. Very similar. And who's the angel that's appearing to him? Satanic in origin. Satan masquerades as an angel of light. He tries to look like Jesus. That's why when you look at Mormonism, you're like, wow, family, oh, they're, they're great, oh, they're really moral. But what he does is he takes truth and injects it with a lie, and it becomes a bigger lie. That's what it is. And that's, that's not the biblical Christ. It is a different Christ. Satan's not stupid. He's been around since the very beginning. He's had a chance to observe us. He knows that, that, was it P.T. Barnum that said there's a sucker born every minute? He knows this. He knows how to manipulate us. He knows to lie to us and what lies we'll believe. And people believe that all the time. He masquerades as an angel of light. It's a destructive disposition that he has. But we have to see that it's not just Satan that lies. We have to recognize our own propensity to lie. We have propensities to lie, do we not? I'm reminded of this. I, I took this for granted. I mean, the Bible says that we're sinners by nature and by choice. Did you know that? We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Sinned, actually, the word is pointing back to, uh, to it's, a, it's a perfect understanding that it's, it's pointed back in a period of time with lasting results. It's pointing back to Adam. We've sinned in Adam, but and fall short. It's present understanding that we presently fall short. We are present sinners. So we're sinners by nature and by choice. Now, I talked with a man. I was in Egypt in 2006 on a study trip studying the early African church. Fascinating. And I was with an African-American gentleman, and we were talking back and forth. And uh, we're talking about original sin, and he goes, I don't believe in original sin. And you know what the first thing I said with the question I asked him? You don't have children, do you? <laughs> Anybody has children, then you believe in original sin. <laughs> Most do. And I said, no one at my time, my daughter was very young. I said, no one taught my daughter to lie. Kids understand there's certain things that they're not to do when they're very little. And then you ask them, did you do that? No. That's a sinful nature. That's a sinful nature. We need to understand that. We all have a propensity to lie. We do it all the time, do we not? We lie to everyone. We actually lie to three different people. Three different individuals specifically. First of all, we lie to our neighbor. Lie to our neighbor. That's the first place that we lie. 
I'm not just talking about your next door neighbor lives across to you. I'm talking about your, your coworkers. I'm talking about your boss. I'm talking about your employees. I'm talking about those that you're selling to if you're in business. It, it, you, you're li- people lie all the time. Sometimes I hate standing at the back of church because I feel people, I'm leading people to lie. That's a great sermon today, Pastor. You were sleeping for 48 minutes. You know? Don't lie. So we lie to our neighbor. The second person, though, is the person we absolutely lie to the most. Do you know who that is? Ourselves. We lie to our neighbor and we lie to ourselves. Matter of fact, we're really good at lying to ourselves. I'm surprised we haven't figured that out yet. I mean, we're always looking at other people going, I don't know if they're telling the truth. Yet we believe ourselves. We know that we're lying to ourselves. We rationalize our sin. We give excuses to permit our sinful behavior all the time. I hear it as a pastor all the time. Why can't you get out of this sinful situation? Oh, it would be really bad for me if I did. Well, it's bad for you if you stay. (laughs) It's worse. I mean, people are always trying to rationalize their sin. And we do that all the time. We point it out in other people, but we excuse it in ourselves. Do we not? I mean, we, we rationalize why we can't spend time with God or have time with God, or do what it is that God's calling us to do. We excuse. We, have, we are masters of excuses. I mean, all the time we make excuses. We lie to ourselves. But the most scary person we, we lie to is God. We lie to God. That's the scariest one. I mean, we lie to God. I think of the book of Acts chapter 5. Let's, let's, can we call that up there? For, well, we have the Romans 1.18 here, our propensity to lie. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all unrighteousness and unrighteousness of men who by unrighteousness suppress the truth. In other words, we rationalize and we continue in our unrighteousness because we don't want the truth to come out and deal with it. But let's, let's go on to this next one. I want to show you a Acts chapter 5. Can you put that up for me there, Carl? Acts chapter 5. This is the greatest example in Scripture of lying to God. And I want you to think about this. If this were to be the case today, if God were to operate just as he did in the early church, as he does in this passage, what would it be like? Let's look at Acts chapter 5 here. But a man named Ananias, with his wife Sapphira, sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and bought, brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your hearts to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last, and great fear came upon all who heard it. The young man rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. After an interval of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead, and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. Now, let's think of that question that I asked you at the beginning. If God were to act like that today in our service, how many would be here dead? 
I think we might have to put a morgue in the basement. Can't lie to God. You know, the scripture says that different times in 1 John. I'm going to call those up for me, would you, Carl? In 1 John, we have here several instances where people say, for instance, if anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. He's a liar. This is the scriptures. This is the scripture talking to us now. If we say, I love God, but I can't stand that guy, then you are a liar. You're lying to yourself and you're lying to God. Because you're not agreeing with what God's word says. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Let's go to the next one. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. You want to know if you're in Christ? That means are you obeying? Are you obeying? Not saying that we're not going to fail. We are. We're all going to fall each and every day. But are we repentant? Is the Spirit of God working in us? There are so many of us that said, I prayed the prayer and I'm done. And we sit on our blessed assurance and do nothing. But the idea is for a Christian life is we're going all the way to the end. That's what the scripture knows. Continuing on to the end of life. It's not just getting them to pray a prayer. You don't see that in scripture, by the way, ever. It's not at all in there. It's about people following Jesus in wholehearted discipleship, surrendering their life sacrificing, loving God, loving people. That's the essence. That's the heartbeat. But we have distorted it, and Satan's even got into the churches and getting us to think it's all about us and making us comfortable and making everything great, and it's all about me and me happy and meeting my needs, and then we become the judge and the jury about Jesus. It's about surrendering, sacrificing, humility, loving, giving up sins, giving up careers to follow Christ. It's about loving our neighbor as ourself. It's about taking up our cross daily. It's not about your best life now. I don't know what else to say. It's what it is. People talk about that, but that's not scriptural. I mean, your, your best life is surrendering, is sacrificing, is suffering for the kingdom of God. Because in our suffering, Christ is magnified. When people see what we go through, they see how great Jesus is. I've talked about Brother Yoon in the past in China. This man went through so much pain, persecution. I mean, you're talking about a man who was imprisoned several times for his faith. He's in his uh, 50s now. But in, in China, while he was there, I mean, the guy's legs were broken. He'd have to crawl just to get food through uh, fecal matter and urine. I mean, this guy was just in every which way. And you look at him, and why do we even know his story? Because of what he went through. Why did he go through it? Because of who Jesus is. Jesus is made bigger. What would possess a person to go through that? What would possess a person to stay in that situation? Jesus. That's who. God is magnified in that. So whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, the truth is not in him. You're living a lie. You might be in church, but you're not a follower of Jesus. Your name could be on a church roll. You could tithe. But if you're not doing what the Word of God says, then you are, it, it, the truth is not in you. Simple as that. Simple as that. Whoever keeps His Word, in Him truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says He abides in Him ought to walk in the same way in which He walked. walked. In other words, living your life like Jesus. Again, doesn't mean we're not going to fail. But it, it means that when we fail, we are repentant. We are sorrowful. 
we are willing to change and make a difference in our, sin, in, our, in our lives, getting rid of our sin. Let's continue on. Lie to God. We must remove lying from us. This means no lying to our, our boss, our employees, our parents, our classmates, our friends, our family. And if we're to eliminate lying, that involves us doing this, embracing His provision. Embracing His provision. Now, what does that mean? See, God knew that Satan was a liar and that we would believe his lies, which is why he sent his son, who is the personification and the essence of truth. Embracing his provision involves us believing the truth. Notice here, that truth is capital, because that truth is referring to a person. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to me, comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the personification. He is the essence of truth. He is God's truth incarnate, speaking to the world. Remember, I said you have, the, you have the Word of God comes in two different ways. You have the Word of God written, which is the, the Bible. That is, that's also truth, as Jesus says in John 17, 17. Sanctim, sanctify them by your truth. Your Word is truth. That is the measuring rod for us. That sets the standard. That tells us what is real, what is true. What is alive? What is life? And then we have the the truth of God incarnate. That is Jesus Christ. He is the Word of God incarnate. He is the personification of truth and a testimony of God to the world. And that that testimony is, is that He came to seek and to save who was lost. That this world is evil, that this world is condemned, but salvation only occurs through Him. Through Him. So it means believing the truth. It also means loving the truth. Loving the truth. 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 10. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. With all power and false signs and wonders. Look at that, false signs and wonders. What's Satan trying to do? He's trying to look like Jesus. False signs and wonders. Trying to create power, people to follow it. False signs and wonders. And with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to do what? Love the truth. Love the truth. If you really truly love God, then you'll do what the Word of God says. And to seek Him. Don't place yourself up as God as your own life. That's one of the things that this great experiment of our nation has given rise to is rapid individualism. To the point where we think we are smarter than God. We can't be that way. Place ourselves under His authority, which means applying his word. We must not only believe the truth, but love the truth. And if we love the truth, then we're going to want to learn the truth and live by the truth. And we also must live by the truth. This means living like we are Christians. That's a surprise, isn't it? I mean, it's simple as that, right? Living like a follower of Jesus. Sounds right, right? It's interesting. There was an article on CNN this past week. The, the GOP National Convention is, is going on in Tampa, Florida. And it's interesting that this article that CNN ran, they're talking about how prostitution, uh, specifically these clubs, I hate to say gentlemen's clubs because they're not for gentlemen, okay? It's a nice way to put it. They get more business during the GPO National Convention than they ever, did, they ever do for any time, other time of the year. And then one of the, the people that was being interviewed, they said, oh, we had a promise keepers convention in town, and the promise keepers kept their promise by kept coming back. I was like, no wonder the world doesn't believe Jesus. 
when they see the hypocrisy involved, that breaks my heart. I hope it breaks yours and puts a mirror in front of our face. Are we as individuals living according to the truth of God's word? Are we endeavoring to tell the truth and live by the truth and speak truth and live not by lies? Live not by lies. It's interesting. I found a quote by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Um, Nobel Prize winner in Russia spoke out against communism. And in 1974, actually February 12th, 1974, while living in communist Russia, Alexander Solzhenitsyn penned an essay entitled Live Not by Lies. Fascinating essay. Which ended up circulating among Moscow's intellectual elite at the time. On the same day he wrote the essay, the secret police broke into his apartment and he was arrested. And the next day he was sent into exile in West Germany. The essay is his call to courageously stand for truth in a world of lies. And I want to read a portion of this to you. I want to bring this up. When violence intrudes into peaceful life, its face glows with self-confidence. As if it were carrying a banner and shouting, I am violence, run away, make way for me, I will crush you. But violence quickly grows old, and it has lost confidence in itself. And in order to maintain a respectable face, it summons falsehood, lies, as its ally, since violence lays its preponderous, or ponderous paw, not on every day and not on every shoulder. It demands from us only obedience to lies and daily participation in lies. All loyalty lies in that. And the simplest and most accessible key to our self-neglected liberation lies right here. Personal non-participation in lies. Though lies conceal everything, though lies embrace everything, but not with any help from me. This opens a breach in the imaginary encirclement caused by our inaction. In other words, it causes this, this false world that we create by lies to start to crumble. It is the easiest thing to do for us, but the most devastating for the lies. Because when people renounce lies, it simply cuts short their existence. Like an infection, they exist only in a living organism. Now, it's interesting, he goes on to say in a different essay, and I love this quote. It's actually a Russian proverb. One word of truth outweighs the whole world. Now, I agree with him. I don't know if he knew what he meant, but how I take that, that one word of truth, there is one word that is truth that does outweigh the whole world. And that word of truth is Jesus. The name of Jesus outweighs the entire world. No matter what lies Satan might create, no matter how elaborate the system, no matter how many people begin to believe that lie, not only as nations and countries, as individuals, or even cultures, the name of Christ will outweigh all of that. All of it. Just like the... Like all of these lies, what they do is they create a lot of sandcastles. That's what lies do. They create little sandcastles. But God's truth is the wave. That ocean comes in and it just washes it away in a moment. In a moment. We must not live by lies. I love what he said there. I will not live by lies. Don't live by lies, which means not lying to other people, not lying to yourself. And don't lie to God anymore. Refuse to do it any longer. And when you lie, when you know it, and if you're in the Spirit of God, I mean, if you're a Christian, the Spirit of God will let you know by placing His Holy Spirit finger poking you. Then you need to go back and you need to tell people. And you need to accept the consequences of it. That's the biggest fear. Fear amplifies that. I mean, why do we lie? To permit sinfulness? That's one of the reasons we do it. To promote self? To make ourselves look better than we really are? 
I mean, and then we do it because of fear, what other people might think of us or what might happen. But we know that the spirit that God gives us is not a spirit of fear. It's a spirit of power, love, and self-control. Love God more. If you're afraid, love God more. If you want to lie, love God more. Love God more. Because that, that war of the world is going on. Satan is, has his world, and then Jesus has his world. But you know, that world of truth is going to outweigh that world of unrighteousness. And that one word is going to bring that end to his world and his kingdom. When at the end of time, the word who is truth appears and all will see him and all the lies will go away in just a moment. And everybody will see who Jesus is, that he died on the cross for their sins and that they rejected him and they will have to spend eternity apart from him. And they will be in constant torment knowing that they rejected the truth and tried to live according to a lie. Let's not live by lies. Let's embrace Jesus. Let's run to him who is truth. Let's cling to his word, apply his word to our heart that we might live by that truth and be sanctified by his truth. Because by being sanctified, we will become more like him and the people will see God in us. Be drawn to the Savior and God will receive glory and we will increase in joy. Let's pray. Father, help us not to live by lies. Lord, we know when we live by lies, we are entering to the domain of the evil one, that we are participating in a diabolical scheme to thwart the plan of God, an alternative reality. Lord, we, we think of even how Satan used lies to our first parents in the Garden of Eden when he said, God did not surely say. Lord, he's a manipulator. Even his name means accuser and deceiver of the brethren. Lord, help us not to listen to his lies or the lies of this world. Help us to always speak the truth in love, as it says within your word in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. To speak the truth in love to our neighbor, Lord, not participating in lies, but knowing that that one word of truth is given will outweigh the entire world. Lord, please glorify yourself in us and help us truly care enough to always speak the truth in each and every situation that your name might resound. But help us to speak over all things the truth of who you are. Not just speaking the truth in love, but living out that truth. Showing that we have been redeemed. That your blood covers our sin. And that our sins have been forgiven. And that we are living and walking in newness of life. Help us not to be hypocritical, Lord. And when we are, may we be repentant. May we fall on our knees. May we seek your face all over again. And live in the knowledge that the grace of God showers us and cleanses from all sin. Knowing that Jesus Christ's death enabled us to have a clean and new life. Lord, please, if there's someone here today who is living by lies, I pray that you touch their heart. Help them to see the truth of who you are. Lord, if they're lying to themselves, lying to their neighbor, lying to God, I pray that they might be able to take the steps necessary to do what it is that you desire them to do. Glorify yourself in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.